welcome back to the Oklahoma drill. Uh, it's just Ryan and Alex today, and uh, we're just going to be talking through the NBA a bit. Um, sure, like I, national championship happened and stuff. That was all fun. Uh, Joe Burrow won. LSU's coaching staff got decimated. Uh, it's all good times here. Um, and so we're just going to move right past that. We're sort of waiting on getting some more interesting OU-specific news moving forward. Um, Jay Bulware's replacement, potentially stuff going on with uh, Ruffin, um, before we really want to dive into OU stuff for the spring. Uh, so instead, we're going to talk about uh, the NBA's most clutch team, the Oklahoma City Thunder. Yeah, so this podcast is, I mean, it was born of the fact that I think, I mean, I know Ryan and I both got new mics, and I think Ryan has used it on a pod before, but I have not been able to use my new mic since I got it. Um, so taking some steps to get to better audio quality after a few years of doing this. How about that? Um, finally, you know, figured why not yeah. talk about basketball? Just came from watching the Thunder play the Rockets um, um, in a hilarious game. So, yeah, yeah, the Thunder, the Thunder are fun. I think the last time we were kind of potting about basketball was we were very pro tank. Um, we were kind mm-hmm. of I mean, I'm not going to say we were rooting for the Thunder to lose, but it was more of like, come on, let's just go ahead and trade all the guys that we can get value from and just move on into the next era. But since then, like things have gotten really good and the Thunder have become like a top half of the NBA basketball team. And it's been really fun to watch and things have just kind of the outlook has changed completely. Right. And so there's. Yeah, I will say, um, as far as rooting for the Thunder to lose, um, I did go to um, uh, the Thunder's game against the Pelicans in late November, and I was disappointed that they won. So there was that. Yeah. Um, no, I, I at definitely, the same, yeah. at the, I think yeah. the, the same game, I was probably rooting for them to lose, too. So. Right. At the same time, I was, I'm, I'm not presently anti-tank either um right and this is the thing i think people don't really understand about being like in for the tank is that it's not not fun with the thunder win like Mm -hmm. uh this team is young and exciting and fun and they play interesting basketball and so when they win it's cool when they lose it's great um except now they've won so much that it's kind of like you know they're sort of gonna be in the playoffs probably and that's just a weird place for this team to be um after trading uh two superstars um for (laughs) like the largest hall of draft picks in the history of the nba uh you really wouldn't expect them to be like in such a good position and yet here we are yeah and so i think there's you know you got to go through two things that have really changed since we last potted about the thunder um and i think number one is you know chris paul at no point was awful this season like he was okay to start the year it was like yeah he's a declining star you know but he still does some nice stuff every now and then but largely he's kind of past it um well that's just become not a thing for over the past couple months like he's been ridiculously good to the point where he's 
probably a lock to be an all-star at this point. Mm -hmm. Um, And I don't think any of us thought that would be possible going into the season. And, you know, I think, you know, I have been pretty vocally anti-Russell Westbrook the last couple years um, and was, you know, after we traded him, I was very happy that we traded him. Um, But that's been a thing. Like, he's legitimately – been a better player than Russell Westbrook this year. Like, yeah, yes, this season game has been by an game. insane vindication of you. Yeah, for real. Like the, the counting stats like are they aren't there in terms of stacking up against Russell Westbrook. But if you're talking about a guy's impact on a basketball team and his ability to lead that team to wins, then, yeah, in pretty much every way, Chris Paul's the better player. Yeah, I mean, tonight. He had 20 points on six shots in the second quarter. Yeah, tonight that was is, a, like that is impact. He, what he did tonight, like yeah, the second half he scored one point, and you know, really it was mostly the other guys that got the job done. But he kept the Thunder within even, you know, in some kind of range to win the game in the second quarter by just being incredibly yeah. efficient. You know, just the guy, it seems like every time the Thunder need something to happen to end a run, the dude just finds a way to get to the free throw line with his rip move or just he'll like get in front of a guy and fall down and get to the line and just these veteran ways. And that it's really, I mean, it's not necessarily the most fun thing to watch. I mean, but, I have blast, but yeah, that's because yeah. I'm a deeply ironic viewer of basketball. Right. Yeah. But from a, from a, I want my basketball team to win this game standpoint, it's like the perfect play to make. So um, he's been awesome. I mean, I know, you know, the Portland game, he was amazing the other night. I mean, the game that sticks out to me more than any other was the Nets game. Did you watch that one? I think I watched part of it. Yeah. So it was. Oh, yeah. No, I I watched the end of it. Yeah. The fourth quarter, he just took over from mid range and it was just awesome to watch. Like that dude still the mid-range killer and um it's kind of you know my views on basketball like over the years I've kind of like I used to love Kobe Bryant you know loved watching Kobe play and then I kind of went through this phase of like well I didn't you know if I had known what I know now I would have hated Kobe um just from the mid-range standpoint but I've kind of grown to appreciate that um over the past year or so not necessarily because i think it's like you know you need to be full demar Derozan and you know predicate your game around it but to me i think in order to be a truly elite player and team that is able to compete in the playoffs there has to you have to be able to score from three levels right like you can't just have in a playoff series, a team able to just concentrate on, well, we're going to keep them from getting to the rim or we're going to keep them from shooting threes. Um, you need some, You need to be able to take advantage of that part of the floor because teams are more than willing to give that up. And if you're able to do that, you're going to be a lot harder to defend. Right. And I think where you fall on it is recognizing that like a mid-range shot is a compromise um, fundamentally, right? is a compromise because you weren't able to generate the high percentage look at the rim or the high value shot from behind the line. Uh, But if you are able to capitalize on what is given to you, you should take it. Um, The problem comes when like, 
I'm trying to think of the best one. Like, Chris Paul's mid-range game is really good because he's a capable shooter and because, uh, you know, when he gets guys backpedaling, um, they have no interest in letting him try and finish at the rim. Um, and he's skilled enough to take advantage of what they give him. The problem comes when you have a player more like Russ, where the mid-range game is like you're that's the starting that's the starting focal point and you like then that's like everything else builds off your ability to hit shots from mid-range rather than the other way around well and and chris paul like unlike unlike russ chris paul is able to take advantage of the defense if they decide hey we're gonna get rid you know take that mid-range away He's able to take advantage of that by stepping back and hitting threes. You know, right. like Russ shooting threes is like the best case scenario for any defense. He's maybe right. the worst three point shooter of all time, like from a volume standpoint. Mm-hmm. So with Russ, it becomes can we keep him from getting to the rim? Like that's all you have to really worry about with Russ. And there with Chris Paul, it's I mean, he's not the level of athlete, he doesn't have the ability to get to the rim like Russ does. Right. But that's all you have to do to stop Russ. I mean, Russ had an amazing game scoring-wise because the Thunder were playing Deontay Burton at backup center and right. Mike Muscala at their starting center. Like that, you know, yeah, you're going to have trouble guarding Russ in that way. Um, but you put him up against any team in the playoffs, like that's where the issue comes, you know, big time. Like imagine Russ – I mean, we saw, saw it the other night, like – Russ against the Lakers with Anthony Davis is going to be a huge problem, right? right? Like against when the Lakers have two shot blockers on the court, like what are the Rockets going to be able to do against that? And those are the kind of matchups you got Rudy Gobert as well. Like there are a mm-hmm. number of matchups that that just you can't you can't work with that because of his his inability to shoot. Um, and but one thing I also with Chris Paul is I think one of the more you know, Russ got a lot of credit and deservedly so like getting assists is a really good skill to be able to have. I mean, there's no doubt about it, but I think Chris Paul's ability to make passes that facilitates an offense is a, just a superior skill because if Russ wasn't creating for others, his passing didn't mean anything. You know what I mean? Like if he wasn't creating a bucket for someone else, he probably wasn't passing at all, and that's how your offense stagnates. Chris Paul is able to facilitate an offense without getting assists. He'll initiate the play, and then um, others are able to work off of that rather than you know, guys just standing there waiting for Russ to pass them the ball. Right. No, I absolutely agree. Um, and this is also uh, something – an underrated aspect of this Chris Paul thing that I don't really think any of us expected coming in is just how much fun he's having this year and just how engaged and invested he is with being this like veteran mentor for guys like Shay and even for Dennis. Um, and like, even for like Darius, like, um, like he's clearly invested in, um, helping show these guys how to play basketball the way he wants to play it. Um, which, in, you know, it involves a lot of sharing. Um, and this is something, um, I know we've talked about this um, 
in private discussion before, but you go back and watch like the things Chris Paul was saying uh, w- leading up to him uh, leaving LA for the Rockets um, in terms of like, he doesn't want to have the ball in his hands all the time. He wants to be able to work off ball. He wants to be able to play with other playmakers. And like, so you hear that and then you think, okay, yeah, he's going to go team up with James Harden. That makes sense. Um, until you get there and realize that what teaming up with James Harden means is taking turns with James Harden. Um, because that whole team is either Chris Paul doing the, like, passing the ball in the style of Russell Westbrook or James Harden passing the ball in the style of Russell Westbrook. Yeah. And essentially, like, every possession, one of those guys is going to generate each aspect of this offense, um, and the other one is going to stand in the corner. Uh, whereas with the Thunder team, you're actually seeing like, this is definitely what he meant when he said that, which is he's playing with other guards who can create for him and for themselves and for others. And they can work together. They can, uh, one of them can start a possession. The other one can finish it. Um, yeah, that sort of thing is like, he's clearly enjoying himself. Yeah. And if you just think about creation opportunities, throughout a possession for the thunder like there could be three or four or five opportunities to create something on a possession whereas in houston it's like there's one opportunity you know because Mm -hmm. your point guard is going to dribble the basketball until they want to get rid of it or shoot and that's it with the thunder the ball is moving a little bit more um or actually significantly more and you know you'll they'll be two or three pick and rolls run on the same possession, you know, Um, or you'll have a pick and roll and you'll kick it to a guy who then drives on a guy who's closing out and kicks it to another guy. And then it, it just, the uh, possession evolves that way. Right. So there, there's just a lot more opportunity to dribble the ball. Like I think, you know, people talk about touches for everybody, but you know, a lot of times, you know, getting, a touch do- doesn't necessarily mean it if you're only allowed to do one thing. Right, it. like Abdul Nader's touches when he was sharing the floor with Russ meant uh, he touched the ball and it's now his turn to shoot immediately. Yeah, exactly. And you get, you know, for a guy like Nader, you get three or four of those opportunities. And if you don't make, you know, two of them, you know, if you go one for four, which small sample size isn't that bad. You know, I mean, it's not great, but like, yeah, you know, but one for easily, four on if, a night, like a 40% shooter could easily go one for four any given night. Yeah, basketball. I mean, if you get a fifth shot and make it, you're two for five, and then you're a 40% shooter. Right. You know what I mean? So, like, one for four is just not a big enough sample to really judge a player for how good they are. And that's what players like Abdul Nader, Terrence Ferguson, Patrick Patterson, Kyle Singler were consistently tasked with doing. Um, right. And it, it makes it really difficult on them. And mm-hmm. I think from a mental standpoint, um, it, it would be really hard to to prepare yourself to play in that way um, because it's just probably not how any of them have ever played before. You know what right. I mean? Like yeah. at lower levels, they were the stars, so they got ample opportunity to, to prove themselves. And now in the NBA, it's like, well, shit, man, I get five touches a game. And if I don't, I'm getting booed by the crowd because I'm missing, you know, four out of five shots. You know right. what I mean? So it, it's tough, man. Um, but let's move away from from Chris Paul. I mean, we are 
I think this is a, a definitely a Chris Paul fan podcast, right? Like, I mean, oh yeah, no, he's I, uh, far and away the best point guard the Thunder have ever had, and oh yeah, of course. Um, yeah, no, I I have no problem. Like, I mean, obviously, I was pretty anti-Russ before they even traded him, and I was like, hey, he's like a ten million dollar point guard at this point, um, and I stand by it. Like, I mean, I think he's he's a good player, but like you're not winning anything with that guy on your team. And they're especially not winning winning anything in Houston when they have the other guy, the other most ball dominant player in the league. Um, So yeah, I stand by what I said, what I say about Russ Thunder got the better player and the draft picks in that trade. Mm -hmm. Um, I think that that trade, it's not going to be, it's not going to look as good as the Paul George trade, but I think if you consider the relative value of a guy like Paul George to what Russell Westbrook is at this point, it maybe should be considered a better trade than the Paul George trade. Well, it's going to be, I also think that the time these guys are playing with Chris Paul is going to pay dividends uh, down the line Um, because he's being, it looks like he's being a really good teammate, like, (laughs) which is not how people generally think of Chris Paul. Um, Here's a, here's, here's an interesting one. Tell me what you think about this. Should the Thunder retire number three when Chris Paul retires? Oh, no, I don't think so. Um, I mean, it would require him like finishing out his contract and them doing some stuff in the playoffs. Like, I don't think that, you know, him providing good veteran leadership for a year or two is is worthy of that. Um, I mean, I I think there's like two guys that have played for the Thunder that you know, are really worthy of that title. Right. Um, Nick Collison I mean, but granted, Perkins. But yeah, granted, Nick Collison got his retired. <laughs> so, you know, we'll have to see there. Right. Well, um, I will say in, in defense of this random idea I just had, um, he was like the first star to ever play in this city. So, yeah, no, it's true. He was. Um, yeah, his first and second year he was he played some games here. But um, yeah, I just. I don't think it's it's going to wind up being enough. There's not going to be enough accomplished here with him. But, I mean, I'm going to enjoy the hell out of what he is going to do here. Um, it's going to be really interesting because I'm still not totally convinced that the Thunder are going to be able to trade him before, like, maybe the last year of his contract. Um, yeah. Because that's kind of been the narrative so far is that, like, yeah, they're going to have to keep him um, this year. And, you know, they've kind of, resign themselves to that but you know they'll probably be able to trade him in the offseason and i'm a little bit more skeptical of that and you know i think it's honestly kind of dumb i think a team should trade for him because he's still a I really mean, good he's player. an all-star point guard <laughs> yeah and, and he's, he's gonna provide your team with a lot of the stuff we've talked about like he is that right. leader if your team is lacking direction chris paul gives you that direction you know, so yeah. I I don't know. I, I think it's I mean, you know, I think we talked last podcast about how the Sixers should trade for Chris Paul. And I still am 100 percent in that camp. But to right. me, other than Philly, I don't really see a team that I'm like, yeah, they definitely should trade for him. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Well, in terms of here's a of that question that is not going to be very useful in terms of like predicting uh, trades moving forward. But. Are there any teams in the NBA that you feel like wouldn't benefit from trading for Chris Paul? I um, guess the Warriors. 
Yeah, I think the Hawks. Right. Would, I mean, it's not that they wouldn't benefit. It just doesn't make sense. Like, right. any tanking team, they don't need to. Um, but, like, I don't know. I think a team, and I I don't think the Thunder would do this, um, but if a team has a really bad contract that they don't want and they're not getting good play out of that contract, then I think that's the kind of team that should maybe look at trading for uh, Chris Paul. Mm-hmm. Um, you're going to have to compensate the Thunder handsomely for that. Like, yeah. one I have in my mind is, is John Wall for him, and I'm not okay. – I don't want John Wall to come to Oklahoma City. I don't. But if they're given two or three first round draft picks, then like we can have right. a conversation. Which um, I mean, it's interesting. It is interesting to think about given how publicly upset Bradley Beal has been with the organization recently. You wonder if maybe they're gonna start looking like their hand might be forced into an unfavorable John Wall deal. We'll see. Yeah. We'll see. Um, yeah, I mean, it, it also it will depend on what John Wall comes back as. Um, another one, like, I mean, obviously Philly is the team because Chris Paul gives them everything that they need to really, truly be a NBA title contender. In my opinion, um, they have a guy who can create shots on the perimeter, which they do not currently have. Um, and that's going to be an issue in the playoffs and it's probably going to cost them a playoff series at some point. Um, Well, it's just like, you just, you can't go into the playoffs with Ben Simmons as your primary playmaker because he can't score with the ball in his hands yeah um he also can't score with the ball out of his hands he basically can't <laughs> score which is bad yeah um, i so I, I i will say i think you can but i don't think the sixers can because they have joel Embiid. like if their team was built to you know feature ben simmons as the primary creator like and they just had shooters everywhere and he was able to get to the rim then i think it might work but with Joel Embiid being the centerpiece of that team, like that's where the problem comes. And I think a guy like Chris Paul, you'd be able to move, you know, Ben Simmons and let him be more of a, I don't, I don't want to say Draymond Green type because I don't think Ben Simmons would like that very much. Um, no, but, but he he should get over it because that's what he should be. And right. Um, honestly, I. I if I was the Sixers, I would be thinking about like, and I did this deal. I would be thinking about like bringing Ben Simmons off the bench oh, to hell. play. Oh no, you you play him as the four to Al Horford's stretch five, right? Um, and he can create in the uh, in the minutes that Chris Paul sits. Um, yeah, I, just, I mean, I think that's a little giraffe. Like they were, they're starting Ben Simmons. I I, I, I agree, and I understand why, but it's just. He's such a weird positionless player, and it's like, cause he, like, would he nominally be the three in that lineup? Yeah, he would be oh, the three. Okay, um, that's just weird. I mean, I, it would I, be a I great defensive lineup. Like, I mean, the, I think the trade we're all thinking about is it's Tobias Harris for Chris Paul, right? Uh, where the Thunder get other stuff because Harris's contract is worse than Chris Paul's. Um, so I mean, that is. That's a ridiculous defensive team, you know, and it just like it's not a perfect fit, but I think you can make it work. Unlike what I think they're doing right now. I don't think what they're doing now can work um, in order to win a championship. Like I I think they're a good team and they're yes, they're underachieving right now, but I still think they're good. 
Like, there's no doubt about it. Right. Um, right. You want to talk um, about Shea Gilgis Alexander? We might as well. Uh, put up a 20, 20, and 10 game. Uh, yeah. That's nuts. First player to do that since Shaq. Youngest player to do that since, like, 1946. Yeah. So... He is an interesting guy because he has really like all the physical tools to be not another Westbrook type in terms of he's going to get all the triple doubles, but he has the physical skill set to be a really, really good rebounding guard um, and a guy that eventually might be able to put up triple doubles pretty consistently. Um, I, I really hope that that never becomes a focus for him. Um, because yeah, it doesn't need to, like, no, it doesn't need to. And, you know, I, you know, basically what having Russell Westbrook as the best player on my team taught me is that, you know, scoring efficiency and creating offense efficiently is really the most important skill that you can right. have as a primary playmaker. Um, and like, yes, it's nice to have a guard that can pull down rebounds and, you know, I hope. Shea does that for the rest of his career. Like he's starting to really pull. I think he had nine today. Like, well, that's, I mean, he's he's seven feet long. He's gonna. Yeah, um, he had ten he, today. Sorry. Yeah, like he can leverage his length really usefully. Um, I think, you know, twenty rebounds for Shea is a fluke. Uh, twenty points is basically his average. I think the interesting thing there is the ten assists. Ten assists. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean, that's that's one of those deals where I don't know if once he gets more opportunity, if he's going to be able to up that. Because right now he's on a pretty – like the Thunder's best lineup includes uh, Dennis Schroeder and Chris Paul with him. So there's like right. not just an abundance of create like assist opportunities in that kind of lineup. Right. Um, so I, I wonder that like if there is a Chris Paul trade or a Dennis Schroeder trade – if that's something Shea, I, I tend to think he will. I mean, I don't think he'll ever be a guy that, you know, leads the league in assists. But if he can get up around five or six a game, I think that's a good yeah, number. I think that's, yeah. Because I, I really think long term, I think our dream for this team is to essentially have two Shays, each averaging like six assists. Yeah. Um, two but yeah. Shays. Two Shays. Um <laughs> The uh, but yeah, no. Um, two shades and a dort. Two shades and a dort. Yep. Um, two and a half shades. Um, <laughs> the uh, no shades been really good. Um, and I mean we talked about this surely the last time we talked about the thunder because that was the early story. Um, and it's remained the story. He's good, you know. He's um, he's really good. He accepted a larger role really gracefully, defensively. Mm-hmm. Um, he's, I think he's been, I think it's, there's a degree to which it's almost been disappointing this year because we expected him to be like a really good defender. Um, yeah. sort of forgetting that like, he's a second year player. Uh, and he's also very young. He does, he just doesn't have the mass right now. Um, which shows, um, particularly in like matchups like tonight where it Russ was Russ, able to yeah. you know, really bully him in the post, which was annoying because I hate it when Russ goes to the post. Um, but yeah, um, no, but that, I mean, that's just a matter of like, he needs to get older. Like, yeah, he'll um, have to, he'll have to get stronger. And I mean, that's generally a thing that happens for players that play in the national basketball association. Like, yeah, 
they get older and stronger. You know, it's just a natural development. Um, so I, I'm really, I think that'll be fine. He has the tools to be a quality defender. Um, and he doesn't have to be an amazing defender to be an all-star level player because I think he's yeah. going to be good enough offensively. Right. Um, um, the fact that he takes step back threes is still just like so good. Yeah. It's, yeah. It's, that's the that's the skill that I didn't know he was going to have ever, honestly. Like, yeah. cause it's, yeah. And a lot of it has to do with a shot release because it's so far out in front of him. And yeah. I mean, it just it doesn't look like a shot you would be able to step back and get enough power on. And it's more vulnerable to get blocked because it's just so far out in front of him. Right. Um, but but I, I think what we work. Yeah, I think what we didn't realize is just the degree to which his shiftiness helps him in those situations. Mm-hmm. Um, because dude is just masterfully shifty. Like, yeah. um, like what an incredible ball handler he is. Um, yeah. At his length too, it's just incredible. Um, it's really difficult to guard one on one. Um, basically commands help to the rim. Um, he, uh, I really enjoy that clip of him putting Dwight Howard in the spin cycle in that game yeah. that he lost to the Lakers very badly. Yeah. Um, C team. Right. So they lost to Kyle Kuzma very badly. Right. Yep. Um, um, but yeah, no, I think Shea is great. <laughs> talking about, um, let's get back to talking about trades um, with okay. the deadline coming up. Because obviously, you know, coming into the season, we were like, well, let's trade everybody. Um, but now the Thunder are like, Riding in a playoff spot that that looks like they're probably not going to get unseated from, um, and you know it, it, with this game, you know, the, like they could be higher in the playoffs. Like they're still fully in the mix for, you know, maybe even the sixth seed. What does the actual standings say right now? Well, the the Rockets are the sixth seed right now, and they just right. beat them. So they're, I mean, they're they are fully in the mix back. with sixth seed. Yeah, they're three uh, games back in the lost column from the Rockets. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so it's, you know, they are just well within the playoff mix right now. Um, mm-hmm. You know, with the um, what, the nine seed is four games off of them. Yeah. Yeah. And, and it's, it's Memphis, so it's, which is hilarious, yeah. by the way. Yeah. Um. Bad job Spurs. Bad job Blazers. Bad have you had job a chance Minnesota. to watch? Have you had a chance to watch Jaw at all? Like just even highlights. I really, I, I have seen the highlights. I saw what I think is going to be remembered as the highlight, unless something else happens soon. Yeah. Um. The the pass off an alley oop to a trailer. Yeah. That is. Yeah. That was the coolest basketball thing I've seen in a while. Yeah, no, he's he is unbelievable. Like I'm watching him, you know, I've watched a couple Grizzlies games. I watched him play the Rockets the other night. And I just that guy is capable of being the best player on a team that wins it all. Like I firmly believe that. Yeah, like I mean rookies is, are not supposed to do what he is doing this year. Right. He I mean, he is just indomitable. It's yeah, it's astonishing. Um yeah. Like, I mean, with, with Shay, I think I've seen enough from him to say, like, he could be the second best player on a team that wins it all. Right. 
Um, he could I be don't a think he can be the best player. But yeah, he will not be the centerpiece of a team that wins at all. Right. But with Morant, I think you could build a team around him and just tell him, create all of our shots, and he could do it. Like, I mean, that guy, he's amazing. He's amazing. Yeah. To watch. Yeah. And they have, I mean, Brandon Clark is awesome. Um, Jaron Jackson Jr. is awesome. Um, so they, the Grizzlies are interesting. They're really interesting. Yeah. And yeah. I, you know, it's kind of funny to see them go from, you know, they have, they kind of made their mark as the grit and grind and this new team is going to just be the complete opposite of yeah, that. They're going to be really fun. And that's just going to, I don't, I don't even know how to handle fun. Yeah. Grizzlies. Fun Grizzlies basketball. Right. Yeah. Um, if the standings shake out as they stand and they hold on to the eighth seed, um, that Lakers series is going to be really fun. Yeah, that'll be a really fun four games of basketball. Yeah. Yes. Yes, it will. <laughs> Got a lot of incredible jaw highlights, and then like LeBron will give him a hug after they sweep him. Yeah, he'll be like, yeah, you're next, buddy. Like, But, yeah. But, like, not really, because I'm going to live sweep. forever. Right. Yep. Um, um, yeah. So... so but- Let's talk about let's talk about the Thunder in terms of, of trades um, because right. you know I, we were all obviously all in on trading everyone. I everything that you hear from just you know rumors that are reported about the Thunder is that everyone is still available in ter- like they right. are no one's off the table. But I just think that as the year has progressed, the the price for each guy has gotten higher and higher. Whereas right. I think at one point. Like they would have given up Chris Paul for literally just matching salary. Like I think if the Heat had been like Kelly Olynyk, James Johnson, Deion Waiters, here you go, the Thunder would yeah, have been the like, Thunder would have been like, okay, we'll figure out flipping those guys next. Like yeah. Whereas now I think the Thunder are going to want something for Chris Paul. Yeah, um, at least at this point. Yeah. yeah. In order to get Chris Paul in the middle of a season, you're going to have to blow them away with a trade offer. That's that trade offer is not going to come. Um, yeah, Chris Paul's Oh, go ahead. I, was, I think Steven Adams is available. I don't think you can get Steven Adams. I think the Thunder would want a lot for Steven Adams. Like, what right. would you want for Steven Adams? Well, and this is the thing, is that, I mean, Steven has really turned it on this season. He came into the year looking really disappointing. Yeah. Um, but, like, a big part of the Thunder's turnaround is him, like, returning to his normal production. Yeah, um, even he's developed at a, times. He's yeah, he's developed better. as a playmaker, absolutely. Um, like, he's fitting in really comfortably at the top of the key in this Thunder offense. And, mm-hmm. yeah, I don't – and that's, so that's the thing is, though, like, as valuable as I think he is now, I think the Thunder value him more than I do. Um, right. Uh, I think he provides intangibles that the Thunder organization values. So right. I don't know if a package exists – Steve, but you would, it, I mean, you're taught it would definitely have to be plus value. Um, right. Yeah. Like, I mean, there's been some Hawks rumors thrown around. I mean, I don't think the Hawks are going to do it. I think they'd be insane to trade for a center yeah, it, this yeah. year. It's a win now move. And right. They are not winning anything. So, no. but like, if, if I'm looking at the Hawks, I'm like, yeah, we'll trade them if you give us Cam Reddish and a first, you know, like give us matching salary, Cam Reddish and a first round pick. Then you got a deal, but like short of that, I don't think there's a deal there. No, I don't think you trade Steve. Here is where I think things get interesting, and it's Danilo Gallinari. Yeah, he extremely valuable, I think, 
extremely tradable because he provides a, th- a thing that every team needs, which is shooting from the wing. Yeah. And I think that the Thunder should be absolutely willing to part with him. Uh, he's on an expiring deal. And, I mean, they're winning games without him, too. Like, I'm not going to say that the Thunder are better without him, but they can clearly, they have clearly demonstrated that they have ways to win games without him on the roster. Right. I have a, a team that I, th- I think would be really interesting with Gallo, assuming Portland's kind of out of it at this point. Right. Um, I think the Mavs would be really mm-hmm. interesting. Um, and they, like, the trade that I've got pulled up, like Courtney Lee, Boban, Marjanovic, and Josh or Jared, Jared Jackson gets them there. Mm-hmm. Um, is he Jared? What is Jay? Justin Jackson. My bad. Justin Jackson. Yeah, I forgot. There's it's Jay Jackson. Uh, Justin right. Jackson um, gets gets you there from a salary perspective, mm-hmm. and I mean, you know, J- Jackson and Marjanovic have a couple years left on their contract. Courtney Lee is an expiring, um, but I think I mean obviously yeah the Mavs are gonna have to throw a pick in there, and it would be mm-hmm. well into the future because they have those picks going to the Knicks right now. Yeah. Um, so it, it's not a perfect deal, but I, if you could get something like that, like I am still, I think the Thunder should trade Gallo for. I think I think if they can get much pot, what, the yeah, best yeah. offer, I think they should get plus value and be happy with it because, like yeah. I said, I don't think they necessarily need him on the team to be successful. Right. Um, and I really don't think that the Mavs could um, resist the possibility of rolling out a JJ Barea, uh, Luka Doncic. Uh, Danilo Gallinari, uh, Moxie Kleber, and Kristaps Porzingis lineup. Like, I think that would be way too um, enticing to Mark Cuban and the people <laughs> of Dallas. Why? Why? Just because it's such a good shooting lineup? Well, just because they're so tall. Um, they're just tall. They're just so other tall. Other than JJ. And, yeah. Uh, yeah, they're just a bunch of tall, hustling dudes and uh, JJ yep. Barea. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yep, that's what they all have in common. Very tall yeah. and hardworking, you know, <laughs> right. high basketball IQ players. Um, yeah. I, yeah. <laughs> moving yeah. on. Moving on. Um, but, yeah, I think I think the Thunder will trade Gallo still. I'm still leaning that way. Um, and, you know, it's not 100%. I thought 1,000% they would trade Gallo at the beginning of the year. I But there is a scenario I'm like, well – Nobody was willing to give us what we want, so we're just going to keep him and maybe we do a sign-in trade or, you know, just let the guy walk. Like, I mean, it wouldn't be the end of the world to lose him for nothing because of all the other stuff you got in the trade that he was acquired in. Mm -hmm. So, I don't know. Let's see. Okay, Kyrie Irving. He's not the happiest man in the world, right? Yeah, which... Did you see what he said today? Oh, he said something else today? Well, yeah. Um, so for those listening, um, perhaps in the future, you may not have the cognizance to remember that January 20th, 2020 was Martin Luther King Jr. Day. And Kyrie Irving did just decide to take the take the time to compare his plight as a misunderstood athlete to the struggles of Dr. Martin Luther King Jr., um, the liberator. Uh, and it was great. It was a great weird thing that he said. Let me see if I can find the quote. I I have nothing for that. 
Kyrie, man. It's it. I think somebody. I I think Matt Moore tweeted something to the effect of like, eventually this guy's just gonna get a publicist and his life is gonna become so much easier. Right. Okay. He said, when I was out for those seven weeks and not saying anything, and still people are still saying things about me. It's inevitable. They crucified Martin Luther King for speaking about peace and social integration. Oh, nice. Yeah, it's Kyrie, like, Kyrie, man. You're not really. It's not the same. He's, um, he seems like the worst teammate ever. Unfortunately, I was looking at a trade with Brooklyn to see if we could get Gallo there, but it just it doesn't. I don't think they have the salary for it because they're not trading. They're not going to trade DeAndre Jordan. Like it's just not going to happen. Mm-hmm. Um, for stupid reasons. Um, right. But yeah, that's where we are. But I, again, back to Gallo. I think he will be traded. Um, how about Dennis Schroeder? What do you think we ought to do with him? Um, see, it's interesting. Um, I think if this team wants to continue on a playoff push, they would need to get yeah. a pretty good deal for Schroeder. Yeah. Yeah, you would need to get a player that can play. Like you're yeah. probably you're probably looking at trading Schroeder for a wing, hopefully. Right. That's kind of the goal, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm trying to like. I don't love it, but like, is there a Schroeder for Covington? Like, is that something you would be interested in? Shooter for Covington. I don't know. I mean, is that I mean, straight it, up or? It, I mean, it works straight up. Um, and like the the Timberwolves literally do not have. I mean, Shabazz right, Napier just, is the point guard on their team right, right now. They just traded Teague. Um, yeah. I that's hey that's a weird deal by the way. Yeah. Um, I. I would be fine with that. I I guess I don't know. I think the, I think it'd be a good deal for the Thunder because I think you could recoup like I think you could trade Covington in a year or two for something. Right. How many? How, what's he got on his contract? He's got four years left. Um, probably okay. three years after this one at eleven point three. Like That's he's got a trade. really yeah. really good contract. So he's like Shooter's 30, gonna be right? an expiring. No, he's not thirty. Robert um, he is 29, so yeah, oh. definitely not 30. What's wrong <laughs> with you, man? Uh, right. Okay, but the good—he's also a—he's a young 29, so sure. Uh, his, birth, his birthday's in December, right? Um, yeah, so. I don't. I mean, I would do the trade because I think it—you know—it right now he slides in and he's your starting three. You go with right. Chris Paul. Uh, Shay, Robert Covington, Danilo, and Stephen Adams, and you're you're dangerous. Like I mean, yeah, you're not going to really win a playoff team. series, like, but you're interesting in the right. in the playoffs. Um, I think that's if you're real. <clears throat> if you really want to make a push to the like, if you really want to push and see if you can get that five seed, like right. I think that's a move you make. Um, but other than that, I don't know. Like, because I don't know what that makes the Thunder better now, and mm-hmm. it's also like it gives you options moving forward in terms of moving him again. Yeah. Um. Uh, Does it Cutting... make the Thunder better now, though? 
this is this is also this is also the question is that you're talking about breaking up the best lineup in the NBA, right? Um, yeah. like, I know like both Schroeder of them. was awesome today. He was one of the main reasons they were able to come back. Right, like, right. Um, it's difficult to judge Schroeder right now because I I think we would both agree that he's playing well above his expected value as a player. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's not clear if that's a fluke or if he's flourishing within the system, right? Yeah. Uh, so that that's, that, that's tricky. And that's something for the, the team trading for him to figure out too. Like they have yeah. to real understand, like he might just be doing this because he wants to get out of there. A, like, I don't think he really wants to be in Oklahoma city. Um, he definitely doesn't want to be coming off the bench in Oklahoma City. Um, right. So it could be as simple as that. And that the fact that he's playing with two other creators really opens things up. And a lot of times he's the guy going against the third best perimeter guy. Right. Um, Which works for him because it means that he can like take guys off the triple. Yeah, he's fast in that regard. Like, I mean, if... He can get to the rim against good defenders. So if you're putting your third best defender on him, then... You know, that's yeah. something he can take advantage of, and maybe that's what's happening this year. Right. Um, to me, the most interesting thing about Schroeder this year has been him on the defensive end. Um, right. And the question becomes, if you're looking, if you're a team looking to trade for Schroeder, like, do you think you can replicate his success on that end? Do you have the personnel and with the intelligence, and do you have the scheme in place to make his, like, marauding full court uh a little gambly style work. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, I think, I think Chris Paul has been huge for him in that regard because Chris Paul is, is a really solid defender. Mm-hmm. Um, and Steven Adams is also a real, like they have solid guys around him to kind of make up for his, right. he's, he's a, on, he's a point of attack defender. Like, I mean, that's really what yeah. he is. He's not going to help. You know, he's not a good help defender. Like, he's just too small for that. But, like, you put him at the point of attack, and he can probably keep that guy from getting getting by him. Um, And that is is a valuable skill in itself. But you have to have the other guys that can, you know, help him in situations that he will be at a big disadvantage. Like, if if James Harden bullies him. You've got to have that big man at the rim that's able to kind of help out there. So right, because a lot of that thunders, the, a lot of the thunders three guard defensive success has been from the fact that like they are solid enough all around that like Schroeder can stymie the point of attack and then the ball can get into somebody's hands and they could just mug the guy. Like yeah, um, and so I, plus there's the other thing. The other like surprising thing I think I found about the three guard lineup of the Thunder is how tenacious they are rebounding, um, which it helps when one of your guards is seven feet long. Um, but so, like the other reality is like the other guards are Dennis Schroeder and Chris Paul, <laughs> and who are not tall, um, but to, like they are able to play with enough energy and tenacity that they are not killed on the boards regularly. Yeah. Yeah, I mean I think that. You know, Chris Paul has always been a guy that plays bigger than he is. Like, that's just been a hallmark of him defensively. Um, But, uh, you know, Shea, again, yeah, 
six foot six with a seven foot wingspan. He rebounds well. You've got a guy in Steven Adams that boxes out probably better than any big in the league because mm-hmm. of all his experience doing so. Right. Um, so it that's that's kind of how it works. And you know, even when you know Danilo Gallinari is not out there to create space for those guys, and it's like a Darius Baisley, it still mm-hmm. seemed to work really well. So um, it's been it's been interesting that that that's been one of the more surprising things that's happened this year. Mm-hmm. Maybe the most surprising thing, because I know going in, I was thinking, oh, God, it's going to be huge. This team wants to be good. Terrence Ferguson's got to take a huge step, and that just hasn't happened. But, you know, with Schroeder's, you know, steps that he's taken, with Shea being much improved, and obviously Chris Paul kind of returning to being Chris Paul, Mm -hmm. um, it's just been something that's really worked. Um, So let's go ahead and talk about some of the younger players on this team. Okay, I want to I want us to kind of rank how we feel about the guys and like if if at a certain point there are guys on the roster that you're like, yeah, I'm putting him here, but I don't really think he has a future on the team like it's he's fine. But if we could trade him tomorrow, I would, you know, like so kind of want to draw a line as to where that kind of thing starts. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, our number one guy, Shea Gilgis Alexander. Yes. Duh. Um, my number two is Darius Baisley. Is he your number two as well? He's my number two as well. Um, in particular, I think you look at he had a great play in this game t- tonight um, where he gets the ball, drives through the rim. A guy steps in front of him to take the charge. I think we have seen uh, a Thunder rookies fail at uh, consistently. It uh, just blows right by him. Yes. Yeah. Just skinnies past him, gets to the rim. Easy bucket. Um, there's a lot to me. There's a lot of Jeremy Grant in his defense. Like the way I think in a couple years, he's going to be able to be a small ball five pretty consistently. And, you know, in a matchup like we had today where he was playing a lot of five and, you know, it was, it worked to various degrees. I think he's going to really excel in that kind of role. Um, now offensively, he's very different from Grant. He's a much better ball handler already. He's a better passer. He's not the shooter Grant developed into, but Grant right. also sucked as a shooter his rookie year. So right, just basically um, couldn't do it at all. Yeah, there there is definitely a guy that can start on a playoff team, to, like in Darius Basley. Like whether or not he gets there remains to be seen, but the the potential is there for him to be a playoff starter. Right. He is the most um, interesting piece of clay on the team, I would think. Like Shea is already sort of a statue. Mm-hmm. Uh, but then you have Darius, who it's like the possibilities are interesting. Uh, yeah. All right, so uh, I think number three. our third, I think we both agree. Um, it might be relatively uh, controversial. Yeah, this one um, might. But Lou Dort is both of our number threes. Um, yeah. Why is he the number three most important slash interesting young player on the Thunders team? Uh, because as a rookie, he was able to, he's able to step in and I mean, he started tonight. They started him tonight because he is able to defend James Harden as a rookie. Um, yeah. well, and also cause Terrence Ferguson's hurt, but you know, like there's a reason they went to him before Diallo. And I think that really says everything, um, is that he is already that guy. Um, he's physically really <laughs> incredibly well-developed for a rookie 
Um, and defensively, he is just every bit this bulldog we thought he was going to be. Um, offensively, he brings almost nothing. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but he um, he started, he plays with energy on the offensive side, um, which is all, all you can ask for a guy who, with a broken shot um, who's a rookie in the league. Um, he, um, you know, he had a great putback rebound um dunk one-handed it was great yeah. um also blew a lot of <laughs> blew a lot of putbacks um it was you know so on the offensive end up and down mostly down uh he hit his first well, shot he was very briefly 100 from three as a starter <laughs> it was amazing because he had two different air balls one of which he undershot and the other one he overshot yeah so it's just a perfect yeah. illustration of how, what his shot is at this point which mm-hmm. is Basically, it just needs to be reinvented. Like, he needs yeah. to remake it totally. Yeah. But um, here is my thing about Fudort. And this is wildly irresponsible of me to say. Coming in, you know, after we drafted him, we sort of talked to him and it was like, you know, maybe this guy can be like a discount Marcus Smart. Um, Marcus Smart couldn't shoot for a very long time. Uh, and the yeah. last person to find this find this out was Marcus Smart. Um, and I guess he found out that he couldn't shoot and decided to fix it because he now like owns the record, the Celtics record for threes made in a game. Yeah. Uh, so, like I said, a wildly irresponsible thing for me to imply, but <laughs> miracles happen. Yeah. No. Like to me, the reason why I like Dort a little bit more than a guy like Diallo is that. He has more guard skills than the like he can dribble a little bit like there is yeah yeah there is some ability to create for himself you know just driving to the rim that I yeah. don't think a guy like Diallo or Ferguson has um, and so that to me is interesting so he's like you know if he never shoots it I mean it's not good but at least he'll be a really good defender that can dribble the basketball a little bit and you right. can work and with that. I get the sense watching Dort that he's the guy who is probably already more comfortable than Diallo being like a ball mover in a half court setting. Yeah. Um which is which is fine. Um to me I think because I, in case it's obvious like we're both talking about Dort as number 3 because we think he's probably up, like a more excited like the player we're comparing him to most clearly is Diallo uh-huh. um which is um interesting because <laughs> I I don't know if we're um I'm interested to find out where you put Terrence for like what you classify Terrence Ferguson as um okay but well with Do, well you want to go to number four no because I want to finish what I'm saying about Dort um okay okay but like the thing with Dort is like he he is so clearly like he has a niche in the NBA established for himself already, and like he can be a defensive point of attack shut down too, and he can do that. Whereas a guy like Diallo, I don't really know what he does right other than he runs fast and jump high. Yeah. Um, like, do you talk about Diallo? Like, like I think the down to dunk guys have said they imagine him as being like a high energy four, mm-hmm. which he, I feel like he's pretty small for that. 
Um, yeah. But yeah, so like that's the thing is like I think I just have a better sense of what Dort is and what he can be. Um, whereas with Diallo, like, like I mean, he's like a dunk contest winner basically mm-hmm. is his job on the team right now. Right. Well, let's let's go ahead and rank get get to number four so we can talk right. about other guys. Um, I I have Ferguson four. Which yeah, I think might be fair. a little bit controversial from just a popular standpoint because I think I mean I'm not going to pretend that I haven't been disappointed by Terrence Ferguson this year, um, but the reason why I have Ferguson number four is that his shot is not broken. Um, yeah, it isn't good. Yeah. He's having a bad shooting season. Um, he has not developed in really any tangible way as a dribbler. Um, but what I'll say about Ferguson is out of all of those guys we just talked about, Lou Dort included, he's the best defender out of all of them right now, which, you know, he's in his third year in the league and Dort is in his rookie year. I think Dort in year three will be better than what Ferguson is right now. Mm -hmm. Um, but I think like there have been times when you've watched Terrence Ferguson defend and you're like, holy shit, man, like that dude is shutting down Paul George or he is shutting down James Harden. Like there have been times where it's just been incredibly impressive defense. And he's one of the best guys that I've really seen in a while that he just doesn't get screened very often. Yeah. Like he just, he's able to work around screens. He's able to chase guys. It's very Andre Robertson esque in that way. You know, he's not quite as big. He's not as good as Andre Robertson. I'm not saying that, but um, I don't think that it's impossible that we're, I mean, shit, Ferguson might have a month where he shoots 55% from three and he might make his shooting numbers look a lot better. Right. And there's right. not either one of those other guys we've talked about at this spot can shoot 55% from three for any period of time. Right. Lou Dort was a 50% three point shooter um, on nights he started for exactly um a shot like yeah for yeah three uh, until his third yeah, attempt. that's yeah, yeah that's the reality of um terrence's shooting versus these other guys it's like terrence is in a slump these other guys have yeah. broken shots like right and we knew terrence well, was an inconsistent shooter who was an inconsistent shooter last year the thing with with ferguson that does concern me um more than the other like is there is a tendency for him to just disappear and you know that's one thing like diallo never disappears like he does you notice him at all times offensively because he's just gonna make something happen um or he's gonna be open he's gonna airball three like that's how you notice diallo and dort pretty consistently ferguson will go a whole game without shooting and that's a problem because he is a guy that if he isn't shooting on offense, he's not providing value at all on that end of right. the court. And that in itself is a big problem. It's not even like Andre Robertson who, you know, at least he provided value. Like he would cut to the rim or he yeah. would, you know, he was get an intelligent rebounds consistently. Like, yeah. Yeah. Like, so he is at times maybe even more harmful offensively than Andre Robertson was. But at the same time, I do see elite defense from him from time to time and in it's never bad defense from him. Like he's pretty consistent. Um, 
And the reason why I have Diallo at number five is because I still don't think he knows what he's doing on defense. Um, like, he was totally out of his element today guarding James Harden when that happened. Yeah. Um, which, I mean, there's not a lot of shame in that, but, like, yeah. comparing him to Lou Dort even, like, it, it was a different thing happening. Um, but with Diallo, that's my thing you were talking about earlier. Like, he might be suited best as a backup four. And he is six foot five and like 200 pounds. Um, that's real small for that kind of player. Um, yeah. So I I don't know what Diallo is in the NBA other than a ridiculous athlete and dunk contest winner, like you said. Um, with Ferguson, it's like, hey, if he shoots 36% from three, you know what he is. He's a three and D guy. You know, he maybe he's not suited to be on a team like the Thunder are where they move the ball and. You know, several guys have creation responsibility. Maybe he needs to go play for, like, the Lakers and just catch passes from LeBron and shoot open threes. Like, because there were times last year where he was doing that from Russ, and he looked great doing it. Right. Yeah. And I think I've said this on this podcast before, and it's still where I stand. Terrence has, like, a long NBA career ahead of him. It's just not necessarily with the Thunder. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I think moving into this next era, it's probably not – a good fit for him specifically. Like I think, I mean, the thunder, you can always use a guy that can defend like him. Like that's great for him. So, or for the team, but yeah, he's not a guy that as you move forward, you're, you're going to be getting rid of guys like Chris Paul. I don't think that's going to be a positive thing for Terrence Ferguson. So um, I would like to see him. Yeah. Go shit. The Rockets would be great for him. Go play with James Harden. You know, that way you don't ever have to touch the ball unless you're about to shoot it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, and I really, we were talking about the line. I feel like Terrence is probably the line for me. Um, maybe Diallo, but uh, the other really? guy, first I mean, off, to me, the, go ahead. I'm going to say I, I draw the line after Baisley. To be honest, like I like Dort. I think there's there's a lot to work with there, but like I don't necessarily. I mean, I'm a little torn. Like I think theoretically he could be like the perfect guy to have next to Shea. Um, right. But theoretically, he also could, you know, not develop in that way, and then you've just got a defender next to a guy that you need and you need more creation from. So I don't know. I I would. I wouldn't be against trading any of those bottom three, and that's really right. the only five that on the team that really exist. Right. Those are uh, those are the only young guys. Um, yeah. I, I don't know if you got. I don't know if our listeners realize how old Deontay Burton is. He's, yeah, he's twenty six. Nader's twenty six. So, um, I, I don't know. I, to me, in terms of, I wouldn't want to trade those bottom three for nothing. Like, obviously I would want to get something for them. Like it, you know, they would probably be sweeteners in a bigger trade. Like nobody's right. really probably calling the thunder for Terrence Ferguson at this point. But if it's like a deal that, Hey, throw in Terrence Ferguson and you have a deal. Like, I think right. that's totally fine. You know, right. I don't think, um, I don't think that that, that those guys have to factor into your, future calculus i think really yeah. it's basely and uh shay that it's like yeah those guys probably need to be on the next good thunder team yeah i agree and like you just you look at where 
that these guys were talking about were drafted. Like, I mean, Ludort wasn't drafted, right? Um, and you look at what the Thunder have in terms of the draft coming up, and it's like, we're going to have, like, 10 of these guys. Like, in terms of, like, projected draft value. Like, Mm-hmm. And like, there's just there's not room enough on this team for all yeah. of these guys. Like, well, they so. they have the opportunity. They might add two more this year. Yeah, you know, like they're gonna have they they probably are gonna keep their own pick. Um, and they have Denver's pick. Like, that's two more guys that you're drafting in the first round that you know might factor in before these these guys. And like, may, you might have to move on from a Terrence Ferguson, and that's that's okay. I would be excited to see what Ferguson would do elsewhere, to be honest. So, um, anyways, so I guess, I guess my last thunder related thing, um, and maybe we want to just end here. Um, is there a scenario like what would have to happen to you for the thunder to like change their course? In terms of like what, because obviously their current plan is to blow it up at some point relatively soon with probably within the next year. Mm-hmm. Um, is there a scenario that you can envision that that would change? Um, because hmm. uh, when, we, when we talk about changing course, what we mean is like cashing in these picks and trying to win now instead of building a young team. Yeah. I think you'd have to, a few things would have to happen simultaneously, which are extremely unlikely. Um, The current superpowers in the NBA would need to fall apart. Like LeBron shock retirement is I think what we're talking about here. Uh Uh, But like, yeah. So like the Lakers experiment needs to fail and it needs to fail pretty catastrophically. Like I think that the Lakers, you're probably looking at a situation where the Lakers like, lose LeBron to like LeBron has a career ending injury or something or like AD has Mm -hmm. a career ending injury and LeBron retires like both of those guys need to be like out of commission for the Lakers Um, and then uh, the Clippers never get it together and this doesn't really ever work for them Um, which is a silly thing to say when they're uh, 30 and 13 it's already working Um, so, like, the West needs to become wide open simultaneously, while simultaneously, like, you get, like, a serious generational star supremely unhappy with their situation and available. Um, yeah. Like, if... So, like, for this to happen tomorrow, I think what you're looking at is, like, LeBron... Like, Anthony Davis breaks his... And this isn't a thing I'm wishing will happen. I would just like to establish first off. Like, Anthony Davis breaks his leg, LeBron retires, and Carl Anthony Towns refuses to play another game in Minnesota. Mm -hmm. I think if those three things happen, you start to say, okay, well, maybe this is our time. Okay, so you're you're not necessarily looking at it from... Like, you're, you're wanting... You would have to evaluate the entire league... Um, and you would have to see a clear window to a championship is what you're saying. I, yeah, I don't think you throw away this future unless you see a championship window opening. Um, yeah, I think that's fair. Um, 
However, I do – I wonder, like – I don't know. I, I look at a guy like Bradley Beal. Um, if you were to able – if you were able to trade for, like, two guys to put with Chris Paul and Shea and Steven Adams that would – I mean, because if you put two theoretically – all-stars to fringe all-stars at the three and four on this team like that team could do something you know oh, what yeah. i mean like, yeah. like that's that's a team that should have a home seed at least yeah so i mean i'm like i mean i don't even know who that guy is like i mean you know i've, I've always the real what's really annoying to me okay i've always been a big brandon ingram fan and like i in theory of what he could be Mm-hmm. And I've I was like thinking before this year started of like that's a guy that I would be interested in the Thunder trading for because he his value isn't sky high but now his value right. is he sky felt, high yeah. yeah now all of a sudden he's an all star yeah yeah like that's the kind of guy that I'm thinking of like I don't know if Jalen Brown or somebody was like I don't want to be in Boston or Jason Tatum like those kind of guys but I think you would need like at least one of those guys and then you go make a Covington-esque trade um, in order to kind of just and it wouldn't even necessarily be about like building a contender but like going and making the next basically making Chris Paul's contract something I think that could be interesting because then once Chris Paul's contract is over that's when all of those Clippers and Rockets picks start kicking Mm -hmm. in and you're not going to trade all of those picks. To, like you would still have a significant number of those picks um, if you made a trade. So I'm not. Yeah, I guess. And you now part of this is that we're not talking about trading for a player of the caliber of Anthony Davis for sure. But one situation I think gets tricky with the Thunder if they start trying to deal some of these picks is teams being like, "Screw you! We know you have more." Like. Yeah, it's true. Um, I d- there's a degree to which moving, um, like, doling out, like, one or two of these over time to, like, move up. Like, like if the Thunder, like, had a guy in this upcoming draft that they were certain about but didn't think they would be able to get at, like, 20 or wherever they're going to end up, 21, I guess, in order to keep their pick. Mm-hmm. Um. Like, I could see, you know, they could trade their pick and Denver's pick and move up into, like, 16. Because uh, this is, like, an insecure draft. And, you know, if they were certain about a guy and other teams weren't, like, they could move up a little bit. Um, and so that's one way where they could dole out, like, one of these extra picks they have. But, like, the problem comes, like, a deal where they trade, like, four of the 14 picks becomes, like, I think that gets difficult because it's, like, if you're willing to trade me four, why won't you trade me seven? Yeah, well, I mean, you can only trade four of your own picks, I guess. I I mean, but at the same time, like, they could, they would have other teams' picks to trade. So, it makes some sense. Um, Yeah, uh, that's something to think about. It might be hard for the Thunder to find great value because teams will know like i think that happened to boston to a certain extent and it took them forever to actually pull the trigger on a trade mm-hmm. um as a result but i don't know i i don't expect the thunder to change course of action i just it it isn't impossible to me whereas before the year again i was ready to start that process 
like today. So. Right. Well, yeah, Paul George got traded, and I tweeted a tanking gif, like, within five minutes. Yeah. yeah. Yep. All right, uh, man. Uh, do you want to yeah. just call it there? Call uh, sure. it a pod? Yeah, good little basketball pod. Um, thanks for listening to this basketball-centered episode of the Oklahoma Drill. Um, we're always happy to have you on here for these little diversions. We'll be back to football sometime soon. Um you can follow, uh, subscribe to the podcast on uh, the Apple Podcasts app, the Google Play Store, or on Podbean, or really anywhere you want to get a podcast. Uh, and uh, follow us on Twitter at Purd underscore Happily, that's P-U-R-D underscore H-A-P-L-E-Y, and at R-W Maxi. Uh, and we'll see you guys later.